Hello, lovely listeners of the Partial Historians. You shall be most excited and enchanted to learn that we are about to embark on a new episode. Oh my god. <laughs> I am the Radness. Welcome, welcome. I am Dr. Greenfield. Well, hello to you too. Hello. <laughs> well, Dr. Greenfield. I believe that we have some cleaning up to do. There's been a murder. <laughs> there has. There has. A shocking, abominable murder. In fact, I think we could even say there's been a rape and a murder. Oh. I'm so excited about that. No, no. Yeah. We're not excited. This is a travesty, to be honest. Yes. Uh, Lucretia is sadly dead. Yes. And I believe last time, listeners, we left you. Um, On a cliffhanger, <laughs> which, is, which seems to be our wont at the moment, I must admit. As we were... Tracing the journey of the history of Rome from the founding of the city, we left you at a rather crucial point. The birth of the Republic, one might say. Almost. (laughs) If births can only happen through death. Yes, exactly. Well, some might say, yes. Basically, Brutus had displayed Lucretia's body uh, in the marketplace, I suppose. In the forum. In the forum, yes. Yes, they'd made a decision that the body needed to be displayed. Uh, She had been foully raped. By Sextus Tarquinius. Yeah, I probably shouldn't say murder, should I? She killed herself. She, but well... She was kind of forced into it, as far I, as she's concerned. Yeah, there's a little yeah. bit of coercion going on there. Yeah. Um, so just to recap briefly, uh, Sextus Tarquinius, son of Tarquinius Superbus, the man who is king of Rome, yes. uh, has raped Lucretia. And as a consequence of that rape, she has felt her honour as a woman has been so impunged... I suppose, uh, that nothing else will do but to stab herself to death in front of witnesses. Yes, and Brutus takes full advantage of this. Yeah, so Brutus is one of the relations Yes, uh, from a different line. Um, His father and his older brother had been killed by Superbus, the king of Rome. So he had disguised himself in a cloak of stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) Which he has only just thrown off. To reveal um, that he is a magnificent leader. An utter genius. Indeed. Yeah, so after yeah, a lot of just... King. Wow, yeah. 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 <laughs> hello. Ooh, hello. I should be careful about using that word from now on, though, shouldn't I? <laughs> Don't <laughs> mention the king. <laughs> I think I got away with it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got this situation where Brutus is all of a sudden in the forefront and is taking a leading role in how the consequences of Lucretia's uh, personal public... Uh, private execution of herself uh, is playing out and he's suggesting that this isn't an adequate time for the patricians to take note of the tyranny of which they're living under that these uh, royal folk are taking complete advantage of their position totally and it's about time that they were done away with and he's advocating the expulsion of the kings yeah and he basically says that uh, well at least in Livy's account I should say uh, I am following Livy my dear colleague here is following Dionysus of Halicarnassus. <laughs> uh, reading my Greek sources. Exactly, yes. I'll stick with the Romans. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, every, when everyone sees what's happened to the creature, they all stand about and complain and complain about, you know, oh, tyranny this, oh, what a shame that. 
And Brutus says to them, for God's sakes, whinging is not going to solve your problems. We need to take action. Exactly. Pick <laughs> up a sword. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so there are two sort of key players in this conversation. Uh, a guy, Publius Valerius. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> and Lucius Junius Brutus. Mm-hmm. And, and Valerius is like, well, that's fine. I'm like, sure, let's do something. But how are we going to do this thing? Mm-hmm. And Brutus is like, dude... I, I have a majesty. I'll call an assembly of the people and I'll tell them what is going on. Because having recognized me as very stupid, they actually gave me the most premier majesty that one could hold aside from being of the course king. they did. Yeah. He's what is known as the Tribunus uh, Calarum, Ooh. Uh, which is... Uh, Caleres is another name for the equites. Oh, okay. And right, so yeah, it's yeah. it's the sort of position that falls completely off the radar as soon as we get out of the regal period. Yeah. Um, but for, for all intents and purposes, it means that he is the nominal head of the personal bodyguard of the king. Nice. Handy. Yeah. Handy when you decide you want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> what better thing to do than have the stupid people really close protecting your body when you're the king. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So he's got this power to call an assembly of the people. Um, and he can actually call for a diminution of the imperium of the king. Um, this is one of the things he can do while he calls this assembly. So, very excitingly, this is kind of what he does. Wow, this is so different to Livy's version. <laughs> I'm just, I'm in, I'm in awe. <laughs> Hit me with the counter-narrative. Well, okay, basically, um, all the young guys go, Yeah, swords! Woo! We're totally behind you! And so Brutus turns to Lucretius' father, who is there, and says, Right! You're in charge of this area, which is Colatia, or Colatia, however you want to pronounce it. And so basically, they post sentries around this particular town, and so that way the royal family wouldn't be informed that, you know, trouble was afoot, that they had hatched an evil plan. Wow. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And Brutus is in charge of the forces and sets out for Rome. And once he's there, basically, he tells the people once again, look at what's happened. Um, don't be afraid of me and all these armed dudes. <laughs> We're actually here to tell you all about what's happened to Lucretia. It's a travesty. And of course, the people in Rome are just as angry as everyone else. And basically everyone's running to the forum. And um, this is where we get up to the whole idea of Brutus addressing the assembly. <laughs> the moment has arrived. Yeah. He takes the stage. First he has to explain to them, like he's had to explain to all his patrician buddies, that he's not actually stupid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. first things first. Actually, I'm a genius. Yeah. And in Livy's version in his speech, he actually talks about, you know how when we were talking about Tarquinius Superbus, we were talking about how people weren't very happy at um, the amount of work that they were being made to do in his building program and that sort of thing. Well, he makes direct reference to this because (laughs) he says, he reminded them, besides, of the pride of the king himself and the wretched state of the commons who plunged into ditches and sewers and made to clean them out. The men of Rome, conquerors of all nations round about, had been transformed from warriors into artisans and stonecutters. How insulting. I know. <laughs> I won't stand Jeez, something I like mean, that. I mean, God, you try and teach a guy a trade. <laughs> oh, no. no. Oh, no. No. Um, so, yeah, Dionysius does touch on this as well. Like, the speeches, as most of the stuff coming out of this period, are creations, as far as we can tell. Right. Uh, scholars are very uh, not 
interested in accepting any of these narratives yes. as the thing that happened. Yes. Um, but you know, with that caveat aside, which I think I make in just about every episode. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Until we get, I don't know, maybe 200 years in the yeah. future. Give us, probably... give us a few more hundred yeah. years of history and then we'll get into the things where we can really dispute authenticity. Yeah. Um, but Brutus makes this speech advising gradual change um, because the, even the patricians themselves in their private conversation have had trouble trying to decide what sort of changes they're interested in. Yeah. They know they don't want the kings, but what do they really want instead? Yes, uh, people are troublesome questions. Yeah, yeah, so he's like, gradual change, gradual change, let's think about this. And he's like, you know, I've got some suggestions. <laughs> I think what we should do is we shouldn't call people kings, we shouldn't call them monarchs, uh, we should come up with sort more modest and humane titles uh, for those humane. yeah <laughs> humane titles for those who uh, wield supreme power. Not only that, I think supreme power ought to be split up. Really, and do. I think I should have part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, ideally, I'll I'll share that with somebody. Yeah, and he cites Sparta as an example for this, which uh, is yes, collegiality. Yeah, a nation yeah. state run by two kings. Yeah, and um, so they're like, look, exemplars. Yeah. <laughs> Because this really is, I mean, whether this is actually how this came about or not, the thing about Rome, which I have to admit I've always kind of liked, is this idea that, you know, you can always, well, theoretically anyway, keep someone in check. You know, there's theoretically never going to be someone who runs mad with power, <laughs> in the Republic anyway. <laughs> Um, there's, there's always that, that colleague who can say, nah, yeah, convinced. and look, checks yeah. and balances, I think is a really interesting way of looking at this. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, from a legal perspective, you don't end up in a situation like this without some sort of precedent behavior to warrant yeah. the, the change. It's like, if things are going well and you've got a king and you've got a series of kings and everything's running smoothly and nobody's got a problem, it's like, why would you change the law? That's true, yeah. So, yeah. Some, some bad things have happened. Yeah, and I think that, um, as, as pretty much uh, every author I read pointed out, kingship, you know, according to our historians, you know, the kingship actually had been, you know, doing reasonably well. Yeah, it was fairly stable. Um, but unfortunately, as we'll see when we come sort of, you know, to the empire period again... These sorts of systems are so dependent upon the personality of the person in charge that, of course, the second you get, you know, a lemon, well, <laughs> well you're going to make a lemonade. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Your lemonade is sour. Yeah. You think to yourself, I need new lemons. Exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, you know, there's some interesting, like, little nuances that come in, which I'm sure are very much, like, historical flourish from people like Dionysius writing these things. Yeah. We're calling for a modification of insignia. Ah. Uh, oh, things... is this the Fasci's being changed? Yeah, well, we'll get to that in okay. a moment, actually. <laughs> um, but things like scepters, crowns, purple gold robes. Yeah, that's all got to go. We're yeah, going to yeah. save those for really special yeah. occasions. <laughs> so, like, triumphs mm. and maybe certain types of feasts. Nice. But otherwise, uh-uh. It's special wear now. Yeah. <laughs> he advises that they retain the uh, the ivory chair. Of course. That's for special. which one yeah. sits upon for judgment. An elephant died to make that chair. Yeah. And the white toga with the purple borders. Of course. That's very nice. Very yes. traditional. Yes. And they will retain the fasces. Right. Yes. Okay. Cool. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> On the plus side. 
aside, though, despite the removal of high fashion, yeah. sorry, guys, uh, they are going to limit the tenure of anybody's magistracy to one year. Yes. Now, do you think this has anything to do with the whole interregnum thing that we've been talking about before? I'm not sure. Mm. I find the whole thing kind of... It's interesting. So in terms of... And this might be Dionysius trying to appeal to his Greek audience here. He cites Athens as the example for this. Short-term magistracies that you can have a look at and think about. Yeah, yeah. And they also are interested in making sure that without the king... Uh, being around, that the sacred and ritual duties that are associated with kingship are preserved. Mm. Uh, so the suggestion is made that they, perhaps they should create a new position, uh, the Rex Socorum, to make sure that all of the sacred things associated with kingship are continued, because yes. you don't want to offend the gods. Definitely not. I yeah. would bad, hate bad to get on this. Yeah, no, definitely not. And uh, to be honest, some, of the, some of the scholars I've read as well have talked about the fact that it's you know sort of being mooted about that Perhaps, you know, we talked about these stories being, you know, semi-mythical and la 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 before. Perhaps um, some people have seen this as basically Rome's being dominated by the Etruscans. They've sort of been ruled by a foreign body and now they're finally Expel kicking them out. Oh, the exactly. Yeah. Of course, the thing is, these days... Way to get xenophobic, yeah. guys. <laughs> the thing is, these days, that explanation has sort of lost traction because... As far as we can tell, it's not like there were you know, all Etruscans who'd ever lived in Rome kicked out at this point in time. It was literally just the kings. And it seems to be hatred of kingship and tyranny, not hatred of the things that the Etruscans bring, which can be quite nice. <laughs> yeah, and Rome doesn't make any sort of claims to being unique in the way in which the history develops. And so, like, the kings are coming from all sorts of areas yes. around Rome. Yeah. Not just the Etruscans. Uh, it's really... If we actually ever talked about a king that, you know, you could actually say he sweet, is a Roman. generous Roman. Yeah, I don't think he can, really. They've all got nah. roots elsewhere, really. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to think about it, but... It's <laughs> making my head hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, what is a Roman king anyway? Exactly, yes. Precisely. In fact, I've even had... <laughs> I even heard it said, I'm not backing this in any way, that perhaps you couldn't be born in Rome and be a king of Rome. Perhaps you had to come from elsewhere. Ouch. I know. Ouch. Well, I know. My quest for glory is now over. <laughs> I'm not going to pursue the Roman kingship any longer. <laughs> I'm also not making change. any Stop. claim to having Italian Stop heritage. <laughs> So this is interesting because as far as uh, Dionysius of Halicarnassus' narrative is concerned, yes. Brutus reveals all of his plans to the patricians and they're right. all on board. And then he does exactly the same thing at the assembly right. and then they're all on board. Okay. So we get the narrative twice. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, just to be it's sure that very everyone's, exciting. everyone's behind him. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. He decides that he will choose the Interrex. Right. And the Interrex will then appoint... The two consuls. I see. Yes. Bit of, you know, you scratch my back. But there, yeah, but there has been a prearrangement <laughs> because they've decided that Spurius Lucretius, mm-hmm. Lucretius' father, oh. will be nominated as Interrex, and his job will be to nominate Brutus and Lucius Tarquinius Collatinus mm. as the two first consuls. Right, yes, okay. I am up to speed with you now. And, and meanwhile, of course, um, little Tullia, who <laughs> ran her wheels over her <laughs> father, and that's the thing she's done. Yay! 
<laughs> all the way home and the gates have been locked against the king mm. and everyone's very happy that he was out of town when all this went down <laughs> oh so this is superbus uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's out of town, but he does get a messenger sent to him, apparently. So he finds out about yeah, it. Yeah, well, eventually you would hope that somebody somewhere would tell him what was going on. Yeah, he finds <laughs> out about this. And he, according to Dionysius, he gathers together a whole bunch of his friends and his sons and rushes for the city. Because uh, he wants to get there to make his case in defense. He was like, this is a disaster. I've got to head off this crisis. <laughs> Gets to the city. Turns out that the gates are already closed. Damn. The wouldn't this are... day that I forgot the keys? <laughs> well, not only that, there's armed soldiers all over yeah. the walls. And they're staring down at him and they're like, ah, 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 not letting you in. And he's like, okay, what next? Maybe I should go to the camp of my soldiers. That sounds Fair like a enough. wise move, yes. Trouble is, Brutus is like one step ahead. Oh, God. If only he was back to the days when he was being stupid. <laughs> wow. He's, al- he's already sent out a missive to the camp uh, that... This is going down in the city. Uh, you might want to think about whose side you're on. Yeah. Uh, hint, hint, mine. Yeah. <laughs> I pulled it up so far. Let's ride yeah, this yeah. out. So you know this is a problem. This guy is a douche. We need to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, come, come, join me. Yeah. And so Tarquinius Superbus gets to the camp and everyone's like, well, <laughs> uh... Things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I just don't feel about you the way that I felt about you a little while ago. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. And look, you know, I mean, Brutus does frame the whole situation against the purpose really nicely as far as, like, the imaginary rhetoric uh, that Dionysius yeah. gives us is about. He includes, like, some of the issues. One, he poisoned his own brother. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yep. Fair enough. Fair he enough. poisoned his own wife. Uh, he okay. married Tullia, yep. his brother's widow, before the pyre of his own wife was cold. <laughs> um, he's killed Servius Tullius. Uh, he had Servius's wife, Tarquinia, his own relation, <laughs> hanged so soon after the death of Servius that she didn't even have time to mourn the loss of her husband. Shocking. Nor Shocking. time to perform the appropriate sacrifices over his body. And that's probably the most offensive thing about yeah, that. definitely. And so he's like, Superbus isn't following ancestral custom. Um, there was no interrex. You know, he just went about and took it for himself. And not only that, to bring in the issue with the plebs, yeah. all of those building projects which you guys have been co-opted for. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, that's just the last <laughs> And now the tragedy that is the rape and the death of Lucretia yeah. as a result of his errant son. And historians, you know, coming in with their little addition to this as well, Pretty sure that Superbus was responsible for some pretty serious purges in the Senate at some point in his reign as well. Mm. Never good. Never good to get rid of the senators. So yes, everyone would probably be quite on board, I think, by this time that this guy is well and truly a tyrant and they'll be better off without him. So <laughs> apparently it, it, at this point in my narrative, the Senate sort of seemed to get together and it's at this point that messages come from the royal camp and they're sort of asking well you know okay so maybe war isn't going to work out but maybe we could at least get our like property back and <laughs> you know we're, we're all cool with the whole situation but we really like our, our money and stuff and our land if i have to be exiled can i at least have some of my stuff <laughs> exactly. back but of course this is just a pretense 
Is this, is this in your account? Or? It is, but yeah. there is a there is a slight delay before getting to that part of the narrative where Dionysius makes it really clear that yeah. the citizens take this issue with the expulsion of the kings really seriously. Yeah. And they uh, seal the deal, as it were, mm. through some rites of purification uh-huh. of the city. Wow. And they also, um, as they're going through the process of um, sacrificing victims for that, yeah. um, they then swear an oath. That they would never restore the exiled King Tarquinius. Ah, uh, yeah, Brutus makes him do that too. Or yeah, his yeah. sons, yeah. or any of their future descendants, and that they would never make anyone King of Rome, or permit others who wish to do so. Yeah. And they took this oath not only for themselves, but for all of their children, and for posterity. <laughs> this <laughs> wow. Is, this is an intense oath that making moment pretty crazy yeah no, it, it that does prop up in Livy as well i must admit yeah so. and this is super important because it's like a watertight scenario as yeah. far as the oath taking is concerned because it involves multiple generations of the tarquinii never being allowed again and that will come into play fairly soon yeah it involves all of the roman citizens yeah. in perpetuity Yep, <laughs> and it's been sealed with sacrificial victims yeah and it kind of you can kind of see how um i mean you can't really entirely explain it, I don't, I don't think, but there really is this hysteria around kingship later on. Mm. And, you know, you can see that coming through in these sorts of sources, which are so much later this, on. This sort of narrative really yeah. sets up the intensity for why those feelings are so strong. This is like a defining moment as far as Roman citizenship is concerned. Exactly. Because this has implications for everyone. Yes. For all time. Wow. That's quite an oath. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's in this sort of moment where the citizens are like, wait a minute, if we have consuls, wouldn't that just mean we have two kings? <laughs> and wouldn't that be an issue? And this is where we have the the change in the way that the fasces operate. Right. So this is one of those exciting little moments for me, historically. <laughs> um, the fasces are these bundles of rods yes. that are carried around by the lictors, these public servant figures, um, where we get the name of the fascist party from, people. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but the case, and they're sometimes adorned with axe heads and sometimes not. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we've got two consuls and yeah. they get to have 12 fasces each. Yes. So for a total of 24 fasces wandering around and everyone's like, well... Isn't that as many as, like, the king has? Like, isn't this a problem? It's a little too many rods. It's too many rods. I'm feeling like there might be too many rods and maybe too many axes, and I'm a little bit concerned um, because the the lictors basically are allowed to, like, clear people out of the way. They're allowed to arrest people. Uh, The axes aren't just symbolic. You could use them. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's not just a joke. It's not just a joke, guys. (laughs) And this is where, where, like, they they do get rid of the axe, right? Well, they make a decision that they will have... The 12 fasces with axes, right. and they will have 12 fasces without axes. Oh. Rather than all of them having axes, at this point in time, they right. make a decision that only 12 of the fasces at any one time yeah. will have the axes, and that the consuls will rotate who gets to have the fasces with the axes <laughs> month by month. So if you piss the consul off and it just so happens that he doesn't have the one with the axe, he'll be like, damn it! <laughs> On the plus side, I'm not going to die. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to hit me with some rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like sharing is caring. Yeah. And it's like, there are 12 axes, but do you have them right now? No, I don't. Right Safe now, Safe for I'm another s- month. Right now, I'm semi-armed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. Good good times. <laughs> well, and you know, it's even though these things are going on and everyone's made this sort of oath and yes. it seems to have really pushed forward and you've got this sort of watershed moment in yeah. Roman history. Turns out not everybody is down for the party. No, and this is this where it comes back to where I'm up to with the whole can you give me my property back? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, the younger guys um, who really threw their lot in with the monarchy and now are suffering the consequences, uh, as well as, you know, maybe some royal people involved there. Mm. Um, they come back, they well, ask the Senate, please can we have our property back? And the Senate, being very just, of course, they start debating things and wondering, well... Maybe we should give them their property. After all, we don't want them to, you know, declare war or anything. <laughs> um, so maybe we should just give it back, and that way they won't have anything to complain about. Well, in the meantime, <laughs> the royal party are hatching an evil plan. <laughs> yes. So surprising. Yeah, exactly. I'm baffled. Yeah. So they basically, while they're waiting, and I'm using flesh rabbits here, waiting for the Senate's decision... They basically go around and start sussing out some of the youth, some of the young nobles, and say, hey, listen, got this really nice letter for you from the old ruling family. Maybe you'd like to read it and consider what it says. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have some news for you? Exactly, (laughs) yeah. In particular, we know that there are these brothers, the Vitelli and the Aquili. Um, And the sister of the Vitelli were married to... Um, married was married to Brutus, basically, and, and had sons with him. And unfortunately, Tusk, Tusk, Brutus's sons. Brutus's own sons, yeah. yeah. I know. What are the odds, man? Titus Junius and Tiberius Junius. Yeah. They get on board with this they whole do. Yeah. conspiracy yeah. Yeah, in support of, of the old tyrant slash king's purpose. I love that Livy says these aren't the only two who got on board, but... No. They're really the only ones we know about, for sure. <laughs> it's a real problem. So we've got yeah. we've got two sons of Brutus. Yeah. We've got the sons of Brutus's wife, so Brutus's nephew. Oh, yeah, nephews? No? Wait, no, no, the sons. The sons of Brutus's wife. The sons of Brutus's wife would be the <laughs> sons of Brutus. Sons, yeah. Oh, family trees. <laughs> I'm a shocker. So the brothers of Brutus's wife, so he's what, brothers-in-law? Wait, so hang yes. on. Wait, you're confusing me now. Wait, the brothers of... Bruce so there's right. Marcus Vitellius and Marnius Vitellius. Yeah, they're the Vitelli. Yeah. 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 These are the brothers of Brutus's wife. Yes, exactly. Yes, you're right. Yes, I'm on board now. I get where, you, I get yeah. where you're going. Yeah, yes. so they're the brothers-in-law. Yeah. yeah. And of course, all these people do still... I mean, this is the thing about Brutus, as you would know if you listened to our, our last episode. Brutus does have family connections to the royal family. Not necessarily, you know, he's going to chuck their lot in with them, obviously, but <laughs> he does have this relation. So technically his sons are all part of that you Yeah, know, yeah, they, they could be feeling quite disaffected. Yeah. Um, there's also the Aquilii, yeah. so Lucius Aquilius and yeah. Marcus Aquilius. These are the sons of Colotinus's sister. Oh, my God. Uh, they're the same age as Brutus' sons, apparently. <laughs> so Colotinus is, you know... Poor Colotinus. Uh, <laughs> as if he hasn't lost enough. Well, he's a consul. Brutus is a consul. It turns out all of their extended families are in on this conspiracy. This isn't going to look good. And to make it even worse, the yeah. conspirators start holding meetings at the house of the Aquilii. Yes. Yeah, and this is basically how it goes down in Livy, in that the Senate basically finally, you know, have this meeting where they say, 
Okay, um, I guess we agree to giving back this property, which actually ends up giving these conspirators even more time to hang around because it means that they have to, like, you know, settle business and whatever else. <laughs> um, decide on arrangements for moving the stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so they decide that they're going to use this extra time to get the conspirators to commit to the plot in writing. So basically the exiled ruling family will go, oh, okay, well, they're not just blowing smoke. This is real. <laughs> People actually do like I, I wrote some letters to you. <laughs> It'd be really nice if you replied. I'm, I'm sorry. I feel, a, I feel a Sally Field coming on. <laughs> they like me. <laughs> they really like me. <laughs> they do. They yeah. do. You're part of the conspiracy now. Yeah. So basically, um, apparently, one night while they're having one of these conspiratorial dinners, um, a slave overhears what they're talking about. And he understands that the letters are going to be on hand soon. And so he thinks, right, <laughs> I've long suspected that my master is up to no good, and now I'm certain and I'll have proof. So basically he informs um, the consuls what's happened, and all the conspirators are therefore arrested. The plot is crushed! Yeah, yes. I mean, this this doesn't go well. No. Um, so, going Stepping back a little bit, yeah. when the ambassadors on behalf of Superbus have turned up, sure. uh, they've argued that, you know, first of all, it would be nice uh, for clemency uh, for Superbus if he could come back and make his case to the Senate and the people himself. Yeah. And everyone's just like, Tell uh, cares. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. taking an oath about that one, don't think so. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a binding oath. Yeah. yeah, and then they argue for, well, maybe if not that, then maybe we could get, like, the property back. Because, yeah. you know, I mean... You know, it's hereditary, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, Brutus is like, we are not returning the property. Uh, and Colotinus argues that there are good reasons to return the property. Yeah. Um, so there's no war and stuff. Yeah. yeah so this yeah. is constructed as a dichotomy in Dionysius' account as between the argument for expediency, which is Brutus's. Yeah. It's just like, nah, nothing. Cut it off. Yeah. And Colotinus's view, which is seen as the just view. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's bad enough being exiled and being chucked out of power. Like, do you have to lose everything? Mm. And... If we give them this as a gesture, perhaps they won't rise up against us and attempt to, like, you know, invade or whatever. Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Um, But this has positioned Brutus as a character who is a little bit implacable. Mm. uh, Very much like, this is the thing that we're going to do. Nobody question it. There will be no deviation from this. So when it turns out that his sons are part of this conspiracy, he goes hard line on this as well. He shows... No mercy. No, it's a really tragic scene. <laughs> uh, so he recognises the seals on their letters, first of all. Hello, family seal. Oh dear. And then the handwriting of his sons. So he, by the time he builds up to asking them, you know, do you have anything you want to say to this? They're all crying their faces off, being like, Dad, I didn't mean it, didn't want to be part of it. Um, but they, they can't deny their involvement, and he no. knows that they can't. So he condemns them to die. Yeah. And... He stays and he watches what happens in the forum because he treats it as if it were any other case of conspiracy and treachery. So first they are scourged in the forum, which means they're beaten, yeah. uh, essentially. Stripped. And, yep, inside of all of the citizens. Yep. And then they're beheaded by axes. Yep. That's pretty much what happens in Livy too. <laughs> So Livy does, of course, play up the emotion a little bit in that he does say that although Brutus is, is exactly like that, he's just like, nah, gotta happen they've gotta go too mm. it's just how it is yeah um everyone is you know no one's really paying any attention to what is going on they're all just watching brutus 
because it's just such a tragic situation. Yeah. And apparently, even though he obviously doesn't relent at all, you can at least see on his face that he is dying inside. Oh, man. According, according to Livy, anyway. Um, but yeah, he just obviously has to, he knows he has to go through with it. He has to go ahead with it. There is no turning back. There is none. No. Uh, so this makes it hard for any of the other conspirators to get off with any leniency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the nephews of Colotinus, the Aquilii, they're also sentenced to death. I can imagine. <laughs> At this point, Colotinus gets a little bit antsy. And he's like, nah, come on, man. Like, he's like, what if we deal with all of the conspirators like this? Anybody suspected of conspiracy, you just kill them? He's like, this yeah. is going too far. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know... A tyrant does all of these horrific things, and you just banish them. Like, you just exile them. And it's like, you really, like, this is too much. For people who are involved in a potential conspiracy, why should their punishment be so much more excessive than what you're willing to do to the tyrant? Mm. So. It's kind of a tyrant guy. He's getting a bit troublesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and. Colotinus is like, you know, I have the same amount of authority as you. I'm a consul. We share power. I say we set these ones free. And Brutus is like, that's not going to happen while I'm alive. <laughs> Things yeah, are going to Colotinus, it's time for you to return. The consulship <laughs> and the division of power immediately tested. <laughs> uh, this right does... at this crucial moment. Yeah, How it, convenient. It really doesn't go well. Because then Brutus is like, all right, I'll call you on this. How about an assembly of the people? He explains the nature of the conspiracy. He explains those involved. Uh, not that people haven't seen it already, uh, but just to make sure everybody's yeah, aware. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Colotinus keeps interrupting and protesting Brutus's version of events, which is seen by the populace uh, as rude and unnecessary and mm. actually gets him offside with the assembly. Right. Uh, so they're like, it gets to the point where Colotinus has a chance to speak and the citizens are just not interesting. They're like, no, nah, we want to vote now on this issue. <laughs> oh, wow. They're like, dude, like, just stop interrupting. Stop talking. And tensions are rising. And at this point, Spurius Lucretius, mm. uh, Lucretius' father, steps in. And he asks leave of the consuls if, if he may address the assembly himself. Yeah. And this is seen as a turning point as well. This is the first time a private citizen has been allowed to address the assembly. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> and he tries to smooth things over a bit. Uh, and he's suggesting, look, maybe the way out of this is for Colotinus to resign from the consulship. Mm. Maybe this will be the thing. Rather than you guys having this mad vote over here, yeah. Um, why don't we just deal with the real issue, which is the consulship not working out here. So Colotinus resigns. We see that's kind of interesting because in Livy, he kind of orders it slightly differently. And there's mm. certainly nowhere near the amount of tension between Brutus and Colotinus as there is in your account. Tension! Yeah, exactly. Basically, it seems to me like once, you know, once they've made all these vows and, you know, they kicked all the kings out and he's fixed up the Senate and he's fixed up the equestrian order, after all that stuff is done, that's when Brutus says... You know what? You know we made that oath, that really, really strong one. I hate to bring it up, but technically my colleague is part of that family. So we're already kind of breaking it. Um, so, you know, I think you should just go ahead and say that this guy 
should no longer be in power. I think I need a different consular colleague. Uh, and this may sound weird because I know we've been saying that Brutus is technically part of the same family, but he descends through the female line. His mother is related to these people. Yeah, nobody cares about that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Women. Whatever. Sorry, patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. So he's able to say this without it actually being as crazy as it sounds. And yeah, so basically Colatinus is shocked and he doesn't really know what to say, but basically he decides, well, if I don't step down, then maybe they're going to just force me to anyway and I'm going to end up having my property confiscated. So he decides to resign on those terms. Mm. So basically, yeah, it happens well before any of this other stuff, and Publius Valerius is made his colleague instead. So, yeah, it's a bit bit of a different take on things. I think Dionysus is playing up the drama and tension between the consuls. Perhaps. On purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, the outcome is the same. Colatinus resigns. He goes into voluntary exile. Yes. And Brutus immediately seeks a new colleague. Yeah. Uh, because it's really important that he doesn't appear like a king. Yeah. Uh, yes. Publius Valerius is chosen as his new, as his new colleague. Yeah. So these two buddies now back together. Nice. Yeah. 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 So we end up with the same... And they immediately the put point. to death all the conspirators. Of course. Yeah, of course. Although in Livy's account, the ambassadors are not put to death. They're only imprisoned because it would be like bad form of jab. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, exactly, watch, yeah. watch. Even though they agree that like they'd really like to do much worse to them than anyone else. They're like, well, you know. Well, it's quite interesting. As far as uh, the the way this plays out, Dionysius plays up the idea that the slave who has given has yeah. informed yeah. is well rewarded. That for... is definitely a movie as well. And this yeah. is interesting because this is paying off the informant for yes. the information which really sets up a, a dangerous precedent dangerous, yeah. very dangerous precedent which we'll, we'll see is a recurring motif uh, in yeah. Roman history in general exactly yeah because in Livy's account he's not only given his freedom he's also given money and perhaps most valuable of all of course Roman citizenship yeah oh. It's like the big, the big three. Yeah, I'm like, what more could you want as a slave? You've just your life has just become completely different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not that I don't think he deserves to be rewarded and everything. The story is true, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, I agree. I think it's more explaining perhaps how the whole informing system may be came about. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps. Brutus and Valerius they they go about increasing the Senate to three hundred. Yes, yeah, Brutus has already done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but apparently this happens with Brutus and Valerius. Mm. And they in, they add the best men from the plebeians. Oh, good. Uh, and, create, and turn them into patricians. Nice. Like magic. <laughs> All uh, of a sudden, you are <laughs> important. Yeah. And just to make it clear to Superbus that they're really not interested in negotiating with him, they gather up all of his property. Yes. Display it in public yeah. and tell the plebs they can take as much as they can carry. <laughs> yeah. How much can you fit in your two arms and get home? It's yours. Yeah, that's exactly what happens in Libby. The Senate now go, after this whole conspiracy thing, they're like, forget it. You know what? We were debating it before, but you can just forget it. In fact, you know what? We hate you so much, we don't even want to confiscate it. We're just going to give it to the plebeians and they can that's just right. take it. <laughs> you know those people you treated so badly with your building projects and whatnot? Now they have all your yeah. stuff. And apparently, part of this territory ends up becoming the Cantus Martius. 
Yeah, no, this is interesting. There is one single field uh, <laughs> in terms of the land, because yes. they, they take all of yeah. Superbus's land as well, and they basically divide it up into allotments and give it to people who don't have any land. Yeah. So the plebeians win again, um, except for <laughs> except for this one field, yeah. which they consider to be cursed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, they take all... And interesting, you get this little side story where they gather up all of the grain that's been growing in this field. Yeah, and chuck and it in the Tiber. chuck it into the Tiber. Yeah, yeah. And that forms the basis of the island of Asclepius. Yeah, because basically... We see, Livy goes into even more detail. He basically says that, okay, so we can't... They couldn't eat this stuff. So we <laughs> throw cursed. it into the river. And it, when it's in the river, there's just so much of it that it forms a little island. And the Romans, <laughs> like, strengthen it up and turn it into an island... So that they can build a temple on it. <laughs> yeah. And then and the silt from the river naturally bulks it out as well. And yeah. all of a sudden, you've got an island. Who knew? I, I certainly didn't know that's how islands came into being. <laughs> oh, I know that's, that's how Australia started. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Throw all the weed into the ocean in the one spot and see what happens. <laughs> they also decide to offer amnesty to the people who have run away with Superbus. So mm. these include his sons and some close friends. They're going to give him immunity for a limited period of time. Wow, that's generous. <laughs> yeah. They have 20 days. If they rock up to Rome within 20 days, uh, they will just pretend it never happened. Wow. Yeah, see, in Livy, he just goes on to the fact that Taquinius becomes very upset about his property <laughs> and decides, you know I'm not what, surprised. for once in my life, and those people who've listened to our past episodes will understand what I'm talking about here, for once in my life, my cunning plan hasn't played off. Maybe I'll have to give up the tricks for a while and actually go to war. Yeah, so purpose all of his cunning plans, this is the one that doesn't play out. No, no. Uh, so it turns out that if you're one of these people who have run away with Superbus and you don't turn up within the period of immunity. What happens? They confiscate your property. <gasps> and are perpetually banished. Well, yeah, I can kind of... I have to admit, I can kind of see how there's <laughs> logic in that. No, surprise! Yeah. Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> um... So my next note is just giant capital letters that says war against the tyrants. Yeah. <laughs> well, perhaps we should end with the beginning of the war against the tyrants. Yes. Yes. In our next episode, stay tuned exactly. for the war against the tyrants. 